So those people at that wedding, um, most of them didn't realise what had happened. For a moment, I want you to imagine, can everyone now see if I sit down, if I move this, that um, a newly married woman is, has just invited a friend of hers to come round. Now the friend wants to know how this woman managed to have such a great wedding party and not spend all that much. So she's come round to visit. This is Joanna. Oh, Joanna, there are so many ways to make a wedding go with the bang. And there's no need to break the bank. Like, you know, we didn't spend very much. We had a great time on a seriously limited budget. I'm glad your mum sent, sent you to me. And look, just in time, the photo's just arrived. Come and sit, let's have a look. Yeah, look here. Gosh, Dad looks so nervous, doesn't he? Look at my dress, it works really well. It's been already worn by three people. But um, yeah, we just made a few alterations and it's looking great. This, of course, is the first day, as you know, so everyone's still looking quite pristine and sober. Oh, there he is. Look at that. You have to admit, he's a fine specimen of a man, isn't he? <laughs> Would you look at the shape of him? The ripple of his arms, the swell of his chest. Stop me if this is inappropriate, but... Gosh, that winning smile, the line of his jaw. I'm not being lecturous or anything, Joanna. I'm just saying God excelled himself when he made that one, didn't he? No, no, that's the best man. The other one is James. The one with his hair sticking up and the funny eye. That's my new husband. His gorgeous mate, of course, was married a long time ago. I'll be honest. I wasn't too sure about James at first. He's clearly no work of art. But he is a good man. So I stuck with him. And we enjoy each other's company. Then, during the wedding, I realised that I'm actually still in love with... I am actually in love with him. And I noticed it, despite the fact that he was completely hammered for most of seven days. Seven days. That's a good sign, I think. Seven-day weddings. Whose idea was that? Now, James's job was to provide the wine, and I think you might, may remember that he excelled himself. I was so proud. Look at them all, toasting and cheering and dancing. Was that the door? Ah, oh, James is home. James, come and see the wedding photos. They got here this morning. This is Joanna. Her mum was at Ardu and has sent her to talk about weddings and find out the secrets of laying on a really good one. I've been telling her, you don't need to spend that much. You just need good wine and lots of it, right? What? Don't be ridiculous. We didn't run out. He's just teasing. Jamie, you're such a kidder. He got it on sale or return, of course, to keep costs to a minimum. And we got glasses for free as well. We can't possibly have gotten through all the lot. Yes, I do remember your dad's cousin. Auntie Mary, wasn't it? The one with the posse of burly boys. Yes. She was overseeing the serving for us. One of her sons is just launching a career as a rabbi. She reckons he's really going places. Very avant-garde. She told the servants to do what? That's disgusting. There's no way they would have served the, the washing water. It's foul and has bits floating in it. 
I think I would have noticed it if somebody had tried to give me that to drink. Right, Joanna? Nobody would drink that. It miraculously turned into wine. And I didn't notice at the time. And it was the best wine I've ever tasted. And there was plenty of it. Start repeating. I'm not repeating everything you say. It's just so crazy. This is, uh, yeah. Did he do the cappuccinos as well? What did he make them out of? Don't tell me. He got all the waiters to spit into the toilet bowl. And hey, presto. Come off it. Tell me the truth now. No jokes. Oh, no. I bet the supplier was fuming that you'd outsourced a thousand bottles. Has he said anything yet? With any luck, he was too drunk to notice. He was there. James, does everyone know what happened? Oh, good job. I'd be mortified. Then why did Jesus do that? We should hope he doesn't call in that favor. There's no way we could pay him back. Well, Joanna, I'm really sorry. I can't be of much more help. I'm afraid I have nothing more to say. Turns out that I have no advice to give you if you want a swinging wedding with no major overheads, but to invite Jesus of Nazareth. So, (coughs) there was no way she could have repaid. They could have repaid Jesus. We have maybe heard that story a few times, or maybe you haven't. I want to just say a couple of things about it today, because every time we hear a story, specifically a story from the Gospels, we can learn something more from God. Even the people who have heard it less than an hour ago can learn something more from it. But before we, uh, with, before we go any further, let's pray. We thank you, God, that you are a God who listens to us. We thank you, God, that you are a God of grace that is so big we could hardly ever imagine it. And we pray that you would would speak to us today and teach us a little more about yourself. Amen. So, two things. Jesus listened to his mum. And he made so much wine, it was ridiculous. So, it's an interesting thing about talking to God. that We are told that we have to ask for what we need. Jesus, it does seem like, in the, in the reading that we had, um, initially, it seems like he didn't really want to do anything. We don't know whether that's the case, but those were certainly the words that he said to his mum. But his mum told him what the problem was and asked him to do something about it. And when Jesus talked to his disciples and told them the best way to pray, gave them an idea of how to pray, one of the things in the structure that he gave them that we call the Lord's Prayer was, give us this day our daily bread. We're meant to ask for what we need. And what we want. And we're meant to ask every day. And keep asking. In Psalm 88. We're told. 
that sometimes we have to keep on asking and not necessarily feel like we're being answered. The psalmist says, Day and night I cry before you. My soul is full of trouble. I call to you, O Lord, every day I spread out my hands hands to you. I cry to you for help, O, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? I have suffered your terrors and I am in despair. Sometimes it feels like we are asking over and over and over again for the things that we need. And I'm sure each one of us knows of people, or maybe you're in a situation yourself where you've been asking for something over and over again, and it seems like God is not listening or isn't doing anything about it. Um, Becca Ambrose, who used to be one of our children's and youth workers, um, is, is in this very situation now. Her sister is very, very ill in hospital. And Becca is asking over and over again for what she needs, for specifically her, um, her prayer needs. And that is what Becca needs to do at this time. So I actually thought that we could, we could pray for her now. Um, so, so let's pray for Becca and her sister, Anna. God, you know exactly what Anna needs And you know, you are in that situation there in that hospital with them. We pray that you would pour your healing grace into that situation and your peace. God, we do ask for healing. And we ask for all that Anna needs to be well. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, who we know can heal. Amen. We are told that we need to ask for what we need. And um, you, you would have been given a piece of paper as, as you came in. Um, if you would like to, as I talk or afterwards, um, write down something on there that is a, is a prayer that you would, you've, you've been asking God for for a long time or just something that is on your heart. And if you don't know what, what words to write on there, that's fine because God knows what you need. We don't, we are real human beings and realistic human beings, aren't we? We know that sometimes we pray for things and it seems like we don't get what we want. But we know that the God we are praying to is a God who loves us completely in whatever situation we are in and asks us to ask him for what we need. So this is an important principle. We have to ask God for what we need. And the second thing is God gives us more than we can ever imagine. Could I have my wheelie bin at the front, please? You may have noticed I've got the recycling bin. Um, There is a real reason for this. Thank you very much. Um, A conservative estimate of the amount of water that was um, turned into wine at the wedding in Cana was 819 litres. Over a thousand bottles, I didn't have a thousand bottles, um, even after Christmas, I didn't have a thousand bottles. Um, 
A normal wheelie bin is 360 litres. My maths isn't great. It's basically two and a half wheelie bins full of really excellent wine. That's a good party. That would, would, would keep us going for a while. But, um, and it definitely kept that party going for a while. It is a surprising amount. I'm just going to stick this over to the... Yeah. Surprising, isn't it? Jesus didn't need to do that at all. He didn't need to provide wine. It's a funny first miracle, really, isn't it? Um, it's a good one. It makes it really easy to preach at weddings. <laughs> um, we talk about the good news and the gospel quite a lot. But sometimes it's difficult to actually put into words what it is that we're talking about. What is the good news that we are talking about? What is the good news that we may, may talk to people about in the, at the gym, at work, at school, at the school gates, while we're walking around? What is it? I've had a verse kind of rattling around in my head for a little while that I think puts this, um, sums this up pretty well. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. No guilt. Forgiveness for all. And this whole concept of those who are in Christ Jesus, I have to say, Christ Jesus is everywhere. God is everywhere. Everybody is in Christ. Whether or not they believe in Christ, Christ is with them. This is the gospel, that God is with everybody. The God who made the universe and called it good wants us to have a relationship with him, forgives us for anything we do. We're reminded of the Jesus forgiving the thief on the cross beside him just before he died. And we thank God that grace is for everybody and it is not our job to decide who is in Christ or not. We find it really difficult to be in debt to people, to be forgiven by people, don't we? Just yesterday, I witnessed a massive argument between two very good friends over who was going to pay for coffee and they ended up almost shouting at each other. Because, no, 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 you paid last week. I will not take another coffee from you. No, no, Fiona, it's my turn, my turn. I'm like, oh my gosh, why is this such a big issue? It's difficult to be forgiven a debt, especially by somebody who's close to you, who you respect and love. Um, and I'm not entirely sure why. When I, was, um, when I was thinking about um, my vocation as a priest, thinking about doing this, um, I had to go and talk to lots of different people at, um, in different traditions of the church and try and understand the Church of England. I totally don't, but I kind of love it, by the way. Um, I, I had never been to confession and I kind of thought it was a, a bit of a strange thing to do because we're all forgiven by, by Jesus, right? We just need to talk to God. But I thought, right, I need to understand this. So I'm going to go to confession and, and see what it's like. 
And so I went to confession with Father Andrew from St. Nicholas Church in Guildford. And he sat me down in a situation a bit like this, in a normal room, um, not in a funny little wooden box with a screen, which I was a bit gutted about, because I've seen all the movies. Um, but it was good. He explained to me what was happening. He took me through the beautiful liturgy, and um, we prayed together. Um, I, I made up some stuff that I'd done wrong. No, I didn't need to. Um, I tried to keep it clean. Um, and, yeah, this is why... I should never go off the cuff. Um, <laughs> the, the most amazing thing about that was afterwards, well, but after I'd, I'd said my confession, he said to me, Claire, do you believe that God loves you unconditionally? And I have to admit to you, I went to pieces. I really, really did. Because I... The more I thought about it, the more I realized that, no, I did not believe that God loved me unconditionally. I believed that I had to do things to keep God happy. We sometimes tell ourselves massive lies about who God is and how he forgives us. But God's grace is bigger than two and a half wheelie bins, people. It is big enough for us. God loves us. Yes, as, as, as we often say up here, yes, God loves us just as we are, but he wants us to move closer to the people that we're meant to be. God loves us. It doesn't mean we can just stay doing whatever we want. But God does love every one of you and me unconditionally. It was a wonderful thing. And then at the end, Father Andrew said to me, I forgive you in the name of Christ. That is a powerful thing to do, a wonderful thing to do, to be forgiven by a person in the name of Christ Jesus. And of course, we do, we do stand um, in that place sometimes as priests, in the back of at that side of the table, standing in the place of Jesus, which is a huge, massive responsibility and privilege. God's grace is bigger than we can ever imagine. And actually, it's probably going to take us all of our lives to understand and keep understanding what this means for us. We can't always know what it means to be forgiven, but we can believe that we are forgiven. And this whole faith thing, how on earth do you believe something that big that the God of the universe has forgiven you? I was told a story about faith being a little bit like somebody telling you that they've buried a million pounds underneath a rock in your garden. And you've got a lot of choices here. Right, you could, you could say, no way, I don't believe you. And then the million pounds would stay buried underneath the rock in your garden. Or you could be quite suspicious and wonder what on earth they were on about and think, well, they're trying to make me look stupid and not look at it and try and find it. Or you could believe it and just sit there and do nothing about it, though that would seem a bit strange. Or you could believe it, get a shovel or a small digger, and go and dig up your garden and find that million pounds. Faith requires us to do something. If you really believe, you're going to get up and look for it. 
looking for God and really trying to understand his grace is the great task that we have as Christians. How can we understand grace as big as two and a half wheelie bins and way bigger? One of the things we can do is we can tell stories to each other of what Christ has done for us and other people in our lives. Um, I, I have to say that one, I've been greatly encouraged um, since Danny has, has um, announced that he's leaving in a few weeks about how much God has given us as a church. He's given us so many resources. He's given us people. He's given us a great leadership structure. He's given us a good team in the office and a, um, a, a staff team who get on really well. He's given us so many things. And just at our last service, I realized again how blessed we are because Tony Owen had to step in at the last minute and, um, and lead. And he did it brilliantly. We've got, we've got so many resources here. And it's a good thing. I thank God for that. And God has so much more for us in store. He really does. We don't know what it is, but we believe it. And we're going to do something about it. We're going to act like we believe it as well. Not in a, a spirit of fear or worry. We're going to enjoy this next stage in our life as a church together. Because we know that we have a God who listens to us. We have a God who listened to his mum, which was very sensible of him. Um, and we have a God who gives us more than we can ever imagine. So we need to remember that we've got to ask for what we need. And we've got to keep asking in the faith that God is there. And we've got to also remember that we are all in Christ. All people are in Christ. We are all forgiven sinners. All in the same family. What a wonderful thing. And we've got to also remember that that first recorded miracle or sign was at a wedding, at a party. There is a lot there about hospitality and welcoming people and allowing people to enjoy life. God, God's kingdom is not a frowny, grumpy thing. It is a thing of wonder that we can never quite understand. But we need to believe that that is what is true. What an incredible amount of things we can learn from a story that maybe we've heard before. And the next time you read it, you'll probably learn something new. But um, as we come to the end of this, I wonder if, you, if the band could come up, actually. Um, do, you, do you guys have some songs to play? Great. And as they play and as we sing, if we would like to, um, if you would like to bring up your prayers in faith and stick them in the wheelie bin of grace, you are very welcome to do that. So thank you so much. And th we thank God for being a listening God who loves us more than we can ever imagine. Amen.